our children. <laughs> Thank you. I have SOC. I don't know why I said she's for Christ. Save our children. Our Sunday school offering. Amen. Children's ministry offering. Amen. You can only get better from here. Let's all stand. <laughs> We'll go to the Lord in prayer, ask him to bless our service today, the needs that are represented in our church. Uh, please pray for the, the continued direction that the Lord would have us to go, both as individuals, as families, and as a church body. Amen. Continue to pray for La Crosse, that God would save this city. Amen. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. Thank you for this opportunity you've given us tonight to enter into your presence to hear the word of the living, the living God, to hear the preached word of the Lord, the truth of God. Help us, Lord Jesus, prepare our hearts and our minds to receive it, anoint your poor servant to deliver it. Let your great name be magnified in our service tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would bless the people of God present here tonight. Minister to their needs. Minister to the needs of those joining us online. I pray that you would be present in their, their uh, living rooms, that you would be present with them. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that wherever the, your people are at, wherever our, whoever is joining this service tonight, that you would speak to them, that you would minister unto them as only you can. They're not here to hear the voice of a person. They're here to hear the voice of the Lord our God. I pray that you would speak tonight. We would see Jesus tonight. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We pray for the needs represented in this congregation that you would meet each and every one of them miraculously, gloriously, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would reach this city, that you would establish your works in this city, and that you would save with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm all those who live or work in the cross. This is our city, and we claim it for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give glory and honor unto the Lord our God, because only you are altogether worthy. Only you are worthy to receive all worship and all praise, all glory and all honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give glory and honor unto you tonight, and we thank you for all that you have in store. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship and we praise you tonight. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. You can be seated. Imagine you're in this scenario, okay? You're at work, and a coworker comes up to you and asks you about something they discovered in the Bible last night. Okay, now... You've been talking with this coworker for a few weeks now, and uh, you've been speaking to them specifically about salvation. Okay, so he's been looking at his Bible, looking at some of the verses that you've given him. He claims to be a Methodist, but he hasn't been to church since graduation, since he graduated high school. He found a passage of Scripture, and this is what he's asking you about, where Paul is asking the question, do all speak with tongues? 1 Corinthians 12.30. And he tells you, see, not everybody has to speak with tongues. That's what Paul is saying right here. What do you say to this individual? How do you respond to that? 
Here's another scenario. You overhear a conversation between two people standing in line at the coffee shop. They're discussing whether or not God exists. One of them says, I don't believe there could be a God, at least not the, the one the Bible talks about, because all of this suffering in the world today, I mean, if, if there is an omnipotent God, and he is all good, there wouldn't be this, this suffering, this evil in the world. So I can only conclude that either this God is, if he does exist, is not all-powerful, or he's not good. Now, if this person were coming to you, how would you respond to that? Let's look at a third scenario. You're at a museum with your children, and the guide is explaining how that life slowly evolved on Earth, starting from a simple cell. Over the course of billions of years, evolution has produced the vast variety of species we see today, including us. The Homo sapien sapien. Is that true? Is it false? Does it even matter what we believe on that so long as we're right with God? Does it matter at all? In all of these scenarios, we see an example of the need for an answer, an explanation, and in some cases, the need for a defense. These are examples of what we would call a process called apologetics. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. The NASB translation says it like this, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you with gentleness and reverence. Okay, so, by way of introducing this subject material, and we'll be talking about, for the next probably several Wednesdays, about biblical apologetics. And we're going to explore a whole range of topics, okay? Uh, so, by way of introduction, let me say just up front that this will not be an exhaustive uh, discourse on the topic. We could spend probably a whole school semester on this. Uh, Brother Parker says amen. Uh, we're not going to do that. Okay. This is going to kind of be a down and dirty, uh, hopefully a, a, a really solid introduction. What we're trying to do is, is not get uh, a PhD in all of these, uh, which would be good because I don't have that. So. You know, anyway, can't give that. Uh, but what, what we do want to do is just kind of get a down and dirty, uh, practical application into this, okay? We want to know what to do when someone comes to us with these weird questions. Weird to us, maybe. But these are honest questions that people have. And we'll be talking about it more as the, as the series goes on, but in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel were made the repositories of God's truth. God deposited in the nation of Israel his word, his laws, his precepts. And it was expected that they would take those, live them out, 
they would receive the blessings for living those out, and other nations around would see the blessings of God. This is what happens when we serve the Lord. They would observe the superior moral code. They would observe the superior lifestyles that that the Lord blessed them with. And so, win the other nations to the Lord. In the New Testament, the church is made the repository of God's truth. He has given us a covenant relationship. He has given us exceeding good and precious promises. He has given us His Word. The entire book is open to His people. We are the ones that are supposed to take this, learn it, and teach it to others. When someone has a question, we ought to be the ones people come to. And we should be the ones that have a ready answer. Because I promise you this, if someone has a question, they're going to get an answer. And it better be from us. Because we're going to have the right one. If they get an answer somewhere else, God above knows what what kind of information they're getting a hold of. So let's make sure it's us. We're going to be covering several areas in this series. Uh, I <laughs> certainly don't claim to be an expert in any of them. We'll be talking a little bit about philosophy, logic, cosmology, geology, biology, uh, a lot of ologies. Okay? But... The good thing is we don't have to be experts in any of these to get a good working knowledge as far as what we need to know to apply Scripture to people's lives. The reason we're going to talk about a lot of these is uh, we'll be looking at some evidences. That comes later on down the line. So don't let any of this scare you. If you're reasonably intelligent, and if I am, I know you are, we'll be just fine. We'll be just fine. So, our focus and our goal for this series is twofold. One, to make absolutely sure we believe in and trust God and His Word. And two, to get us comfortable in explaining why we believe that. Okay, so the first, I said two primary objectives in this overview portion. There are actually three. You'll see that. Whoopsies. First, settle any doubts in our heart as to what we believe it to be true. Okay, we cannot have any doubt, any room of doubt in our hearts as to what is true and what is not true. If we are going to be explaining this to people... We have got to be absolutely sure we know what we're talking about. And that has got to be settled in our hearts. Okay, even if we're not talking to to anybody about this, this ought to be settled in our hearts. That this is absolutely true. Because if it's not, and there's a little bit of room in here that, that, that allows for that, I promise you, That will be exposed at some point. 
A situation will arise, a circumstance will happen that will bring that to the forefront. And you will have to confront that. Let's make sure now. Okay, this means that uh, we're persuaded of the following topics. Is there a creator out there that made everything and keeps everything together? That's the first order of business. And the reason for that is this, and specifically, that this creator created everything out of nothing. That's important. And here's why. Because if God came into this at some later point, and there was some of this stuff already existing, pre-existent matter, then, I mean, God just kind of moved into someone else's house, right? And if that's the case, and maybe his by right of possession, but he doesn't have inherent authority then at that point. And if he doesn't have inherent and absolute authority, then I don't have to do what he says. And people will argue that with you. And that is simply not true. Because he did create everything out of nothing. Everything is here because of God. There was nothing in existence before he began creating, except for God. So, it's all his. Therefore, he has all the authority and he gets to make all the rules. I tell my kids this a lot. You live under my roof, you follow my rules. When I was a kid, guess what my parents told me? Yeah. Kind of gets passed down from generation to generation. I hated it then. I like it now. (laughs) Amen. So, someday my kids will like it, but they don't today. (laughs) So, but the problem with God is, there's no other house to move to. My kids, you know, they're some of them almost old enough. Get a good job, get enough money, go rent an apartment. Then I can't tell you what to do anymore. You can make your own bedtime. You decide what to eat for supper. Of course, then they're paying for everything, too. That's another topic. But with God, there's no other house to move to. So we all, we're stuck in God's house. This universe. And because of that, we get to follow God's rules. Whether we want to or not. The Bible says that at some point, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone's going to to get to do that at some point. We just want to do it right now. So we have got to be persuaded that God, the God of Scripture, created everything out of nothing. Because there are scientific theories out there that seem to explain everything quite nicely without invoking a supernatural entity. I do say seem. We'll look at some of those as well. There are other religions that explain how everything came to be. 
Why are we the only ones that are right and all the other ones are wrong? If you think about it for a moment, that seems a little bit arrogant, doesn't it? People will make you think that. Seems a little bit pretentious to, to think that we have the corner on truth. We do have the corner on truth. And we'll be able to explain that very specifically. The second thing is, is this book we call the Bible the actual Word of God. This, this, this collection of, of passages that we call the Bible. Did that actually come from this Creator God? I've got to, I've got to settle that in my heart. There can be no room for doubt that this is the authoritative, infallible, inerrant Word of the Living God. And that means that whatever process it took from getting from Moses and the finger of God all the way to this book that I use today, over several thousand years, do I trust that process? Do I know what that process is? I mean, I say this book is for, it's given to us from God. I didn't go up on Mount Sinai and get this book from the hand of God. I got it from a bookstore. And you probably did too. No one came down from Mount Sinai. This book was from a bookstore. Printed at some publishing house. Where did the publishing house get it? From somewhere else. Where did they get it? And on and on and on and on. Hopefully it traces back to God. Do we know that for sure? We've got to settle that. <clears throat> we've, got to, we've got to know these things. We also need to understand where others are. We need to know how to understand where others are starting from. Okay, now, for example, if I'm talking to someone and I, I see that they acknowledge the Bible is, is authoritative, I see they acknowledge the, that the Word of God is the Word of God, but he, doesn't, he or she doesn't see the, the need for baptism. Okay, well, now I know what I need to, to work on with this person. He accepts Scripture. I don't need to, I don't need to do anything with that. I need to get them to see the plan of salvation at this point. But, if I'm talking to someone, they say, well, I, I don't know, okay, baptism, whatever, I, are you a Christian? I don't, I don't believe any of that. I don't, I don't accept the, the Bible as being true. Well, then I got a different task, don't I? There's no sense in talking to them about the plan of salvation if they don't believe in God or the authority of Scripture. You can try, but I can tell you in my experience that uh, there seems to be a process that people follow, and if they don't follow that process, if it does work at all, it's not very effective. 
And one of the things I want to see is, and I've seen this a lot, and I'm sure you guys have too, unfortunately. Someone comes in, they get the Holy Ghost, they get baptized, they're all excited, and then they're gone. Where they go? What what happened? Not this last church, but the the church before that we we came from. I saw that all the time. We were baptizing people a lot, getting the Holy Ghost, and then the very next service they were gone. Call them up, no answer. One thing I believe is that there is a process. And if we follow that process, it works. It works. There are two things that people need to acknowledge. There are two things that people need to settle before they can be saved. The authority of Scripture and their belief in God. They need to acknowledge these things before we can move forward with anything else. So if we do that, if we make sure that we're settled in that, because if I'm explaining it to someone and they start asking some pointed questions and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good question. I didn't thought of that before. Well, that's not helping anybody. try to win this guy, and he's starting to win me. That's not right. That's not going to work. So we've got to settle these things in our heart, and if someone is going to come to the Lord and stay, they need to have it settled as well. And they're not going to have it settled if you don't. So we need to have it settled. Okay, the third thing we need to realize uh, by the end of this is that God can use me to give a reason, to give an answer to those that ask of me. God wants to use you. You are the repository of God's truth for someone. You. You have influence in someone's life that I don't, and vice versa. Because of that, God is looking to you. God is looking to me to be able to minister to these people to minister uh, answers to their questions. People ask some weird questions, it seems like to us, but we've got to realize they're coming from a weird place out there. They're being exposed to crazy every day. And some of the belief systems that are out there today They are absolutely insane. They are so far removed from Judeo-Christian uh, principles and foundations, I don't even know where to start. So we've got to know where they're coming from. And the questions they ask are coming from that foundation. And they're not going to understand what we're saying. And if we don't, if we're not able to determine where they're coming from, we're not going to understand what they're saying. 
and nothing's going to happen. We're both going to walk away frustrated. He's going to stay entrenched in his ideas, and I'm going to walk away having served him not at all. That's not the will of God. There ought to be, in our interaction, there ought to be ministry taking place. Now, having said that, I understand that, you know, the Word of God will not return void. It will accomplish that which, it, which God pleases. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, I'm with you on that. Okay, I get that. And there are times where, where God can just reach in and minister. Okay, I've seen that too. But, at least in my experience, that seems to be the exception. That doesn't excuse the responsibility that he's given me. That doesn't excuse, I, I can just wait for God to do it. God's going to get a hold of him. I'll just keep praying. Definitely keep praying. Definitely keep praying. But I need to build a relationship with them. I need to talk to them. I need They're going to have questions. I had all kinds of questions when I first came to this. And I was a Lutheran. A lot of this I already had settled in my mind. These people coming from far left corner over here, they have nothing settled. Nothing. They don't know anything about God. They've never cracked open the Word of God. They've not read one word of Scripture. They couldn't tell you what was in there. I could be reading Shakespeare. And if I told them that was the Word of God, they'd be, that sounds pretty cool. That's beautiful. They wouldn't have a clue. They get their ideas from spirituality off of Oprah. So although these questions are going to seem crazy that they have, they're going to seem weird. They're honest questions. Don't snicker. Don't laugh. Explain it to to them with meekness and fear. Jesus Christ died for that person. He loves them. And we have got to do absolutely everything that is in our power to do to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, so rather than become frustrated speaking to each other, if we're able to ascertain where they're coming from, what is their belief system? Okay, now now I know how to speak to them. We can do that, and it's really not that hard at all. So, there are two fundamental things. Okay, uh, we've already covered this. People need to acknowledge God is creator of everything. Because if he is, we've got to follow his rules. He has all authority in his creation. Once they do that, they need to acknowledge the absolute authority of his word. That it is the fundamental, foundational truth in the universe. It stands supreme against every other form of knowledge. It is foundational truth. Everything that I see, every evidence that is being weighed in my mind, everything is brought first 
to the Word of God. That is, that is what all of my knowledge is built on, is God's Word. After that, we start moving forward. But it has to come ultimately from the Word of God. And we'll be talking more about that, what that means exactly, how we apply that. If those two things are in place, we can start moving forward with God's commands what he expects of us, how we are to obey them, those kinds of things. Okay, defining terms. These are some of the things we'll be talking about in this series. A presupposition. Here's a little bit of philosophy here. A thing tacitly assumed beforehand at the beginning of a line or of argument or course of action. Okay, in other words, this is something we presuppose to be true. Okay, there's no proof for it. I can't prove it scientifically. That these things are true, I just accept them as true. And the reason everybody has presuppositions, every belief system has presuppositions that they're built on, and here's why. We are not infinite creatures. We do not have all knowledge. We have not lived for all of eternity, like God. God has no presuppositions. He knows everything, okay? Us... We don't have the time for that. Okay? We don't have the time to even know half of everything in the universe. So we've got to make some assumptions. Everybody does. And that's not wrong. It's just the way it works when you're a mortal being. Okay? Because I believe A to be true. Okay? Why do you believe that? Well, because this is true. Okay, why do you believe this is true? Well, because this is true. And we keep following it down, we follow it down until eventually they say, well, why do you believe why is true? I don't know, it just is. Once you get to that point, you've discovered someone's, or perhaps your, presupposition. It hasn't been demonstrated, it hasn't been proven, it's just accepted. Now, as a biblical Christian, my presupposition is the Word of God. I can't demonstrate to you absolutely that this book is true. I can give you proofs. I can give you reasons why. But I can't demonstrate conclusively, absolutely, that every word in this book is true. I can't do that. I accept that as being true. I think there are good reasons to accept that as as being true. And we'll go into that. But I can't prove it. Absolutely. I can't prove absolutely the existence of God. That's another one of my presuppositions. Conversely, an evolutionist can't prove absolutely the Big Bang. They'll say they can, but they cannot. That's something they accept on faith. They just accept it to be true. Okay, so that's what a presupposition is. The next definition is worldview. Conceptual framework, a pattern or arrangement of concepts and ideas or or presuppositions. That sounds so cool. By which we consciously or unconsciously place or fit everything we believe and by which we judge and interpret reality. In other words, 
It's the colored glasses you wear when you look at reality. If I have red colored glasses, everything is going to look red. Everything you show me, every argument you use for or against me, it's going to look red. If you're wearing blue colored glasses, you're going to think I'm crazy. Because to you, everything's blue. We look at the same evidence. Pick one, the fossil record. I think the fossil record demonstrates a a flood. Because I got red colored glasses on. I suppose I shouldn't use political colors, should I? I'll I'll do purple glasses. (laughs) (laughs) One down. So I got purple glasses on. I think the fossil record demonstrates a flood. This guy over here, he has green colored glasses on. Because of that, he says the fossil record demonstrates evolution. Which one is right? Based on the evidence, we're both right. Neither one of us are right. How can we tell? Well, we got to, we got to go a little deeper than what we would call evidential apologetics. You'll be experts by the time all this is done. Promise. (laughs) So, that's what a worldview is. It's the filter through which we see everything. We see arguments, we see evidence, we see reality. Okay. Third definition, apologetics, which is what this is going to be about the defense of the Christian worldview against alternatives and against criticism. In other words, we're going to be able to uh, throw this up against other worldviews, alternatives, and against uh, critiques against our own worldview. So external and internal criticisms will be able to handle just fine. Okay. That's by way of introduction. Now, uh, how do we receive the Bible? How did we receive the Bible? How was the Bible prepared? Okay, so this next section is going to be just kind of a, a rundown so we're familiar with the process. Okay? Starting next Wednesday, we'll get into more of the what I would say are the interesting aspects of this. This is interesting too, but just more informational. Okay, what are some of the things that they use? Writing materials, papyrus. Not being able to recover many of the ancient manuscripts uh, or the handwritten copy of the scriptures, this is due primarily to the perishable materials used in writing. Papyrus was the most common ancient writing material. It was made from the papyrus plant. This reed grew in shallow lakes and rivers of Egypt and Syria. Okay, and large shipments of this were sent through the Syrian port of Byblos. Uh, and so because of that, it surmised that the Greek word for books, Byblos, is found in the name of this port. The English word paper comes from the Greek word for papyrus. Preparation. 
The reeds were stripped and cut lengthwise into thin, narrow slices before being beaten and pressed together into two layers set at right angles to each other. When dried, the whitest surface was polished smooth with a stone or other implement. Pliny refers to several qualities of papyri and varying thicknesses and surfaces are found before the New Kingdom period in Egypt when seats were often very thin and translucent. Now, the oldest papyrus fragment we have uh, dates back to about 2400 B.C. So that's about 4,400 years ago, 4,421 years ago. But who's counting? The earliest manuscripts were on papyrus, uh, and it was difficult for any to survive except in dry areas, such as the sands of Egypt or in caves similar to those like the Qumran Caves, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. Papyrus was uh, popularly used until about the 3rd century A.D. The next material used was parchment. This is a name given to prepared skins of sheep, goats, antelope, and other animals. Okay, these skins were shaved and scraped in order to produce a more durable writing material. F.F. Bruce writes that the word parchment comes from the name of the city in, of Pergamum in Asia Minor, for the production of this writing material was at one time specifically associated with that place. Vellum, the name given to calf skin. Uh, often this vellum was dyed purple, and some of the, the extant manuscripts that we have today are in purple vellum. The writing on dyed vellum was usually gold or silver. Uh, experts believe that, or say, that the oldest leather scrolls date from about 1500 B.C. Okay, ostraca. This was unglazed pottery popular with the common people. Uh, you may know it by the other term, potsherd, and has been found in abundance in Egypt and Palestine. Okay, stones. Uh, these were inscribed with an iron pen, probably the one Job was talking about. Clay tablets engraved on with sharp instrument and then tried in order to make a permanent record. This was the cheapest and one of the most durable of the writing materials. Wax tablets. Uh, this was a uh, piece of flat wood covered with wax, and you would use a metal stylus to write on them. Okay, so... That preps us for uh, more detailed stuff on how we received the book as we have it today. We'll start that next week. Uh, but the reason this is so important is because in today's society, uh, 50 years ago, maybe even less, the primary concern of us as apostolics was being able to uh, explain to someone the oneness of God. And a lot of effort went into to really nailing that down. And that ought not change. We still need to know that. Uh, a lot of effort went into to nailing down the plan of salvation, uh, explaining holiness and separation from the world, these kinds of things. Because people that were coming into our churches already had the authority of Scripture nailed down. They already had... Uh, a belief in, in a creator God nailed down. Because everybody had some kind of church background. Even if they weren't professing it, even if they weren't living it. They had this background already. And switch over to our society, our culture today. More and more, that's dropping off. 
the chances are going to be better and better that people coming through our doors have no experience with this. They have no experience with any kind of Christianity whatsoever. And so, as good as I am explaining the oneness of God to them, they may not believe in any God. So, I may sound good, but it ain't doing anything. Yep. They may be polite. Sounds good. It sounds good. Not having a clue what I'm talking about. And I think I'm doing the work of the Lord. And I'm not. So being able to effectively reach people where they're at today, steeped in humanistic ideologies, steeped in Islam, or steeped in in Buddhism. Yeah. Okay. Shamanism. These things are real. People believe in these things. Why is our belief system superior to theirs? Can we explain that in a way that they'll understand? Yes, we can. We absolutely can. You'd be surprised how easy it is. So, that's what we're going to be working on for the next several weeks, several Wednesdays. Uh, learning different, uh, not strategies per se, but uh, different ideas whereby we can connect with them, ascertain where they're coming from, what their belief system is, what they believe to be foundationally true. And I promise you this, too. There are some Christians who don't accept the the authority of Scripture like they say they do. And here's how you know, really quick. Absolutely. They'll pick and choose Scripture. And I don't really think this is that important. Or they'll say, what is, what is God really saying here? <clears throat> they'll judge the Word of God based on some higher authority in their life. We don't judge the the Word of God because there is no higher authority in our lives. We judge everything else by the Word of God. Absolutely. That's what biblical Christians do. When I hear any kind of argument, I'm filtering it through Scripture. If it passes that test, okay, let's move forward with this. It's good so far. If not, I don't need to hear any more. But there are Christians that do the opposite. And that's not good. That will be exposed in your life as well. And that's why I'm saying we have got to get this nailed down in our hearts and in our minds. If the if the Word of God is not the foundational authority of reality that we better find out what is. But if it is the foundational authority, then we better treat it like it is. I believe with all of my heart that it is. And I do my best to live that way every day. If the book says it, I need to be doing it. If it tells me not to, I better stay as far away from it as I can. 
and not play around with anything. Because there's an eternity at stake, not just for me and not just for you, but for people that are going to be coming into your lives, people that may already be in your lives, family members, friends, co-workers, whoever it is. God will bring people into our lives, and they're depending on us. They don't know it, but they're looking for what you have. I promise you, they're looking for what you have. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You came out from that. I was looking for this. I didn't know what I was looking for, but I knew there had to be something more than what I had at the Lutheran Church. Thank God God put that in my head. It was enough. But there are people out there in the exact same situation. There's got to be more than this. There's got to be something more than just go to work, come home, eat a meal, go to sleep, get up, go to work, come home, eat a meal, Till I'm dead. It's got to be more to life than that. Thank God there is. And God is looking to you and he's looking to me to share that effectively. Effectively with someone else. Amen. Through the course of this series, uh, I pray that I'll be able to deliver this as it was given to me. And uh, I love this topic. I love it. My wife knows that. <clears throat> She's probably sick to death of this stuff. But uh, I think it's important in today's day and age. I think it's absolutely vital. Uh, as vital as being able to explain the oneness of God. As vital as being able to explain New Testament salvation. Because we can't get there unless they first accept that God is is real. He created everything, and they accept the authority of his word. Amen. So I'm looking forward to teaching this. Uh, if at any time, uh, during this, I would really like, certainly in parts, some participation, uh, some questions, if you have them, th- those kinds of things. Uh, we could do this a little bit more informally. Uh, I like questions. I love questions. I may not have the answer for you right away, but I'll definitely get it. And uh, if you don't want to ask questions here, uh, if you don't feel comfortable with that, that's fine. Come to me afterward. We can talk, and uh, we'll get those things nailed down. Because I want I want us all to have this information. I want us all to uh, to feel confident in what we believe, confident enough to to be able to share it boldly with someone. And know for a fact that I have an answer ready when they come with a question. That's a good feeling. Amen. Let's all stand.